0: Read to live, says Flaubert somewhere in his letters. And I take him at his word. Books I regard as voyages of discovery. And with an author I admire, I gladly book passage to any and all points of view or destination. To Rome, during the lives of the Caesars. To Shakespeare's London. To Berlin and Harlem in the 1920s. I don't go in search of the lost gold mine of imperishable truth. I look instead to find the present in the past, the past in the present, to discover within myself the presence of a once and future human being. So wrote Lewis H. Lapham in 2020. And I think it sets the tone for what I want to talk with you about today, about the power of reading and what it means for leaders to constantly be readers. This is Timeless Leadership, where we explore the values and principles that drive extraordinary leaders. We look for the timeless virtues that are just as relevant in the 21st century as they were in the first century. Universal truths that will help make us better versions of ourselves. Hey, welcome back to Timeless Leadership. It's been a few weeks since we've spoken last. This is Scott Monty. I apologize for the absence this month. I am on a schedule here. Every other week is one of these intimate letters to you. Alternating weeks are interviews with interesting and fascinating people. And the cadence got thrown off a little bit because I traveled. And when I traveled, I happened to pick up covid So that knocked me out for a while and threw me off by one week and I had to wait for the schedule to reset. I don't need to get into all the details with you, but just understand that I'm back and I missed you. And I'm glad you're here. If you're not already subscribing to the Timeless and Timely newsletter, please make sure you're connected at TimelessTimely.com. Hit that subscribe button. And if you refer other people to the newsletter you actually begin to develop a set of points I guess there's a leaderboard there where you can check how many referrals you've had and based on that number you get a certain number of months of our premium subscription for free so send some people our way and get yourself onto that premium list we call it the ampersand guild because of that ampersand between timeless and timely. It's more than just a plus. And check out what we offer on the premium service there. Today we're going to talk about the importance of books in your development as a leader. And in particular, we're going to talk about a story of a literary hoax that took New York by storm. Reading and writing books are the ultimate acts of patience to take the time to dedicate yourself to learning either through reflection or introspection that means that you've dedicated yourself to improving over time either improving by way of writing or improving by way of reading Lifelong learning and curiosity, these are two of the hallmarks of what I think great leaders have. Individuals who are constantly consuming information in a variety of formats and then take what they've learned and weave it into a tapestry of other formats that complement the styles of the people they wish to influence. Writing is still, I would argue, the most powerful medium that we have. And the best leaders are also good writers. And communication is probably the most essential skill that any leader can have, and it's based in writing. Everything else, strategic planning, hiring, creating a vision, motivating your team, even financial planning, That all involves communication, which simply defined is simply a process for exchanging information. And good communication makes all the difference in how your audience, your stakeholders, receive your information. Whether it's relayed in a set of bullet points or in a story, leaders need to present their Ideas in ways that inspire and motivate. And you can't do that without spending some time laying it all out in your mind. The historian David McCullough wrote, Writing is thinking. To write well is to think clearly. That's why it's so hard. If you want to become a great leader, first you need to become a good writer. What's the secret to good writing? Well, I'll share a secret with you about good writing. It's a matter of practicing on a regular basis. But there's something more fundamental to being a good writer. If you want to be a good writer, first you need to be a good reader. Annie Proulx said, "Writing comes from reading, and reading is the finest teacher of how to write." And think about that. Whenever you sit down to write something, I'm sure you have your own style. But is your style influenced by other writers? Writers you spend a lot of time with, writers you admire. Writers that perhaps have a style that you think is applicable to your approach to writing. Samuel Johnson said that the greatest part of a writer's time is spent in reading. In order to write, a man will turn over half a library to make one book. Well, certainly you should be educating yourself with analyst reports and memos and industry news and other publications that are relevant to your particular vertical. But there are outside sources that are available and that you should avail yourself to that'll give you inspiration and insights where you least expect them. Back to Lewis Lapham, who I quoted in the introduction there. When he kicked off Lapham's Quarterly, a publication of history and literature, in 2008, he noted this. As a college student, I acquired the habit of reading with a pencil in my hand. And in books I've encountered more than once, I discover marginalia 10 or 40 years out of date, most of it amended or revised to match a change in attitude or plan. Now think about that. How much do our attitudes or plans change over time? And are we even willing to admit it? But having this kind of flexibility in thinking, that speaks to our humanity, our fallibility, something that some leaders are afraid to admit. But those with emotional intelligence, those who are curious, those who are lifelong learners, these kinds of leaders are naturally open to listening to others and taking in new information and applying it to their decisions. With age, experience, and observing our own inevitable errors, well, we find how necessary it is to reflect on things. Clifton Fadiman has one of my all-time favorite quotes about reading. He said, when you reread a classic, you don't see more in the book than you did before. You see more in you than there was before. And see, these moments of discovery, of self-discovery, found in the pages of books, can be eye-opening and inspirational. And that's what storytelling does. It inspires people. There was a master storyteller on the radio who inspired a lot of people. His name was Gene Shepherd. Now, if that name isn't familiar with you, and if you aren't familiar with... New York radio from the 1950s and 60s, and I can't blame you if you aren't. You do know Gene Shepard's work, most likely. He wrote the perennial classic A Christmas Story with Little Ralphie and his long-sought-after Red Rider BB gun. Well, Gene wove a tapestry of stories every single night on WOR in New York. And the people that listened to Gene and his overnight slot, which was from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., they were known as the night people. And because he had such a close relationship with them, he was able to actually make the needle move in a very interesting way with respect to books. One night, as he was talking to the night people, he observed how day people liked lists. Because lists conferred a sense of authority and direction and truth. And he got into talking about bestseller lists. Shep thought, in particular, bestseller lists were overrated. Merely a construct made up by the day people. So, he wondered, what if the night people went to a bookstore and asked for a book that wasn't on any list? Now, I'm not talking about a book that wasn't on a bestseller list. Shep was talking about a book that wasn't on any inventory lists, a book that didn't even exist. So listeners called in and they had suggestions for titles. And eventually he selected I Libertine by fictitious author Frederick R. Ewing. And he and the audience improvised this book, and then listeners went to bookstores in droves asking for the title. And bookstore managers, they they checked their lists, they checked their inventory, they checked with distributors, and distributors checked with publishers, and no one could find it. And obviously they were perplexed. How could so many people be asking for the same title? But that title didn't appear on their lists. Eventually, demand for this book became so great that Shep teamed up with science fiction writer Theodore Sturgeon to write a book, as Frederick R. Ewing, under the Ballantine Press imprint called I, Libertine. And the New York Times called it a bebop minuet, and Publishers Weekly termed it the hoax that became a book. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because it's this kind of cross-pollinization of concepts and ideas that lead to creative breakthroughs. You never know where you're going to be inspired. And inspiration can come from reading an awful lot of books. You can access a free wealth of knowledge in books because most of the world's knowledge is contained within them. And try this. Set yourself a goal. Maybe reading 10, 15, 20 pages a day. Adding just 15 minutes or so of reading to your daily routine. I think you'll find it'll break you out of the lack of attention that we've all got from doom scrolling, from spending so much time on social media, and in front of screens. And when you read more, you'll discover the world within you and around you taking on a whole new meaning, a meaning that you can share with those who matter to you. And then you can take Christopher Morley's advice to heart. When you sell a man a book, you don't sell him 12 inches of ink and glue. You sell them a whole new life. In the week ahead, I hope you read something that inspires you, in turn, to inspire others to learn more, do more, dream more, and become more, because that's what a timeless leader does. I'm Scott Monty. There's so much to learn.